Welcome to the Roxborough Church Podcast. For more resources and information, visit RoxboroughChurch.org. We hope you are blessed by the seated. I'm going to invite you in the same time of worship to join me as we begin to pray. I invite you to be mindful of folks around you and maybe folks who extended family and people you care deeply about. We're just going to just going to have a time of prayer, just kind of be still before God. Just trust that God will um, receive this prayer and, and begin to minister to the people that we're thinking of. And so I'm going to usher us into that time, but then I'm going to invite you to just be still in that space and kind of speak to God in the quietness of your heart. Jesus, we come before you as as your people, and we're so excited that we get to sing songs that declare your goodness and your faithfulness, that that we're reminded of these truths that you bring dead things alive, God, that that you you save and restore souls, God, that you do miraculous work. And so, God, knowing that you are the great miracle worker, we come before you praying right now. There are many people in our hearts and our minds. And so I pray that you would hear us in the stillness of this prayer. God, we think of those who are battling the virus or have been affected by the virus, God, and we pray right now. God, we pray that you would eradicate this thing, God. I know we've been talking about this being a way of life going forward, but we're praying against that too, God. We're praying that you would just take this away. God, we're mindful of folks who are in really tough situations right now. We think finances. We think discord. Think of people who are mourning. God, would you be present in those spaces, God? Would you tangibly touch those people, Father, and let them know of your love for them? And as you continue to to use the church to serve your people, God, I pray that there will be real ways that we can lighten the load for others. God, we pray against the polarization that exists around our nation, maybe even around the world. There's so many things that we don't agree on, and yet, Lord God, you've called us to to be one in you. And so, God, I pray that you would continue to, to build toward unity, Father. Lord, I pray that you would charge us Equip us and charge us to be the good Samaritans. To be for the other. Lord, we think of the greatest need that everyone has. And that's the need to know you as Lord of their life. So, Father, I pray this morning 
that not just in the not just in the walls of this church, but echoed in all the churches around the world, Father. Boldly, that there would be proclamation of the gospel, invitation to new life, that the lost would be found, that the young brother would come home. God, I ask that today would be the day of salvation for many, for many. And if there's anybody who's here today who has not yet experienced that day of salvation, then I pray that today would be the day for them. That you would say to them, I love you. I loved you enough to die for you. But I didn't stay dead. I resurrected from the grave to offer you the promise that you could resurrect as well. If you would trust me if we would yield to you, if we would simply call you Lord. Oh God, I pray that this morning that would be true for every one of us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. All right, well, I want to uh, I want to give us a heads up that the kids are going to stay with us in church today because we had the special treat of having Jackson leading us in worship. And so his inability to be in two places at once, right? Like many gifts you have, that not one. Amen? All right. So, hey, let's, let's clap it up for those who led us in worship today. We're thankful for that. We love, we love to worship the Lord, and we love all the people that God uses here in this church to lead us in worship Scott, Heather, and the team, our, our normal team, we're praying with you guys and excited to have you back really soon. So here we are. We're going to be in uh, the Gospel of Luke in the 15th chapter. You can turn there with your Bibles now. And uh, you can go ahead. You, you just, just When you get there, just shout out amen so I know that you were turning with me. I know I'm not the only one. While you're turning there, I'll, I'll let everybody in on some secrets from yesterday. Man, yesterday was a great time. We had our first of what will be our annual ministry conference, and it was, a, it was a great experience. We had people from probably about 40 churches represented here from all over our city, and uh, man, it was, it was just sweet, and the worship was just, it, you know, it was engaging, and it just felt like a just real honorable time to the Lord, and um, there's some, you know, like every church has a, uh, every church has a tradition. They have a pattern. They have a way that they do things, right? And so, um, you know, we, we're, we've been migrating as a church to, to you know, move in, in that space. And um, I think if you were familiar with our church from, a, from years back, you would say we've become a bit more audible in our worship. Like we can actually hear people singing. And, um, and, and you'll, you'll notice some people, you know, are moving, moderately moving towards charismatic nature. Their hands went from here to here. So, some of us are here. Michelle's like, she, she's like this, you know, some of us, no, no, you're not, all right, not, not quite there, but, but she's here, right, and, uh, you know, so we're kind of migrating along that path, but yesterday, I'll just tell you this, man, like, there's something sweet about, I, I'll just say it this way, there's something sweet about worshiping with some folks that are just kind of used to worshiping in, like, black gospel churches, and, and like, 
the people up here are microphone and the people out there don't need to be. They're so loud, right? I was just like, wow, this is great, you know, and it was, it was, it was awesome. It was a great time. You missed it if you weren't there, but uh, we're going to be putting some videos up online over the next couple of months. And so um, you'll kind of watch out for that and catch up on it. And then, like Lori said, save the date. We're going to do it again next year. It's going to be a great time. We love to see our house. I will say this. Uh, thank you to Martha and a few other folks who were here um, making sure that this place was very hospitable um, and, like, Everybody left here celebrating the hospitality that they experienced through members of our church. And so thank you to, to our members who stepped out to do that with us. All right, we're in Luke chapter 15 in the first verse, and this is what it says. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered together around to hear Jesus. But the, Pharisee, the, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And then Jesus began to tell them these parables. Last week we covered the, par the, the parable before this. Now we're going to skip down to verse 11 and hear the second parable that Jesus tells them in this moment. Uh, actually a third. Jesus continued, verse 11, Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had. He set off to a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the, with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired hands, hired servants have, have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to, the, to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put, on, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let, uh, let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost, but now he's found. So they began to celebrate. But meanwhile... The older son was in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what's going on? Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Now the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out to him and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you, never disobeyed your orders. You never gave me even a young goat 
so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, has come home, you kill the fattened calf for him? My son, the father said, you're always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost, and now he is found. And Jesus, I pray that you would take the words of yours, God, and you would offer them to each of us, Lord, that they would, that they would uh, communicate your truth, and they would, they would move us, Father, to live in a way that is reflective that you are the Lord of our life. Help us to understand this story today. Give us new ears to hear in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I go any further, I want to take a moment and celebrate with you. Um, so you heard Lady Lori say that 10 years ago, Michelle and I joined on the team here to lead here at Roxborough, and that's been such a blessing. But we also know that uh, two years before that, before having any other ministries that we were leading, the Lord called us to be mom and dad. And so Isaiah, today is your birthday, and we are thankful for it. Yeah. And for your birthday today, I bought a permanent Sharpie marker, and I will design the tattoo that you desire, and I will draw it on your arm. Happy birthday. All right? It's going to be a great day. Oh, yeah, yeah, Tommy, you can sing to him. That's great. It's going to be a great day, and there will be great things to celebrate, but... I want to get right back to the word. So today starts um, what will be an echo for the next three weeks. This week and the two Sundays to follow, we will speak about this same passage. So over the next three weeks, we're going to take a look at this passage from the, look, from the lens of each of the characters of the story. So this morning, I want, to, I want to look at this through the lens of the younger brother. And I want to invite you to do that with me. This is the story of the younger son. As we go back and look at this passage together, we're also going to, there's going to be a video clip in a little bit that we'll look at. They're going to cue that up, make sure that the volume's ready and everything for that. That'll be great. But uh, the story starts off right in verse 11, where it says there was a man who had two sons. How many sons did he have? All right, so he was the dad. He had two boys. And uh, the younger one said, Dad, give me my share of your stuff. Let me help you understand what that means. That means, num- it means two things. Number one, the younger brother understood that at some point, everything that was dad's, half of it was going to be his. He was going to get half of it. You know, we, we, we all understand this, right? Like when you pass, you can't take it with you. That's not a new thought. That's been around for a long time and proven by all. It's been proven by everybody, right? When you go, you can't take it with you. So what do you do with it? Well, you've got to give it away somehow. You've got to give it away somehow. And so like... Maybe our financial team will begin to meet with members of our church and start saying, hey, estate planning is something you want to be a part of. And so you can help think about giving some to the church before you go or as you go. But in this story, the father had enough. He was going to give it to his two boys when he what? Come on, somebody. When was he going to give it to the boys? When he died. He wasn't giving it to them now, right? It wasn't theirs now. This was not allowance money, right? This was you're going to get it when I'm dead. So when young boy comes knocking on the door and says, hey, dad, I'm knocking on the door. I just want to know, can I have what's mine? The boy understood it's not really his until dad dies. So he's literally, he's literally saying, hey, dad, 
Can I treat you like you're, come on now, can I treat you like you're dead so that I can have what's mine? Man, that sounds a bit like, we'll use this word, if you're going to take some notes, we'll use this word, entitlement. Entitlement. This boy felt like he was entitled, that this was his to receive. And so he's like, Dad, give me what's going to be mine. Now, Dad scratches his head and says, what do I do with this moment? But the story doesn't actually tell us that Dad even questions about it. Dad just says yes. Man, loves his son. He gives his son half of what's going to be, well, I mean, all that's going to be his, which is half of all that he has. And we don't know anything more about that transaction. The next thing we know is that the boy goes off, runs off to live on his own, sow his wild oats, do his thing. I heard somebody else say that today. And so do his thing. He's out in the world doing his thing. And very quickly, all in the course of one verse, it says it's all gone. It's all gone. Like it ran out. The well ran dry. Right? However you want to say that. It's gone. He wasted his inheritance. And then what? Then you begin to think about, what do I do? Where do I go? You see, the, the, the son has communicated, dad, you're dead to me. I want what's going to be mine. The dad says, fine, and I give it to you. And, 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 and seemingly the dad goes on with life and the son goes on with life. But the son's life doesn't work the way he wanted it to. And he, he, he begins to think, well, maybe, maybe there's some better option than this. Maybe there's, there's something that I could do that would be different. How many of us have ever got ourselves in a situation and why, by the time we were in it, we started to think, man, I don't know. Maybe I made the wrong choice. Anybody ever have a moment like that? Maybe I made the wrong choice. Maybe it wasn't even on a big thing. It was just a little thing. Maybe, yeah, here's one, here's one. You got your new car. New to you. It doesn't matter if it's new. It's new to you. You're driving it. You pull up next to somebody else who's in a newer car. And you're looking, you're like, huh, maybe I made the wrong choice. You know? That red one looks nice. Maybe I shouldn't have got blue. I don't know, right? You know, silly and simple, right? But, but I mean, buyer's remorse, anybody ever have it on anything? Buyer's remorse, ever have that moment, right? You know? Yeah, yeah. So you have that moment on something, right? That, that's the kind of thing that's happening here for this young man, but to a, to a larger and greater degree. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever suggested that your timing was better or more imperative than God's timing? Here's how you can answer that question. Has there ever been a moment where you, where you thought to yourself or you felt like or you even expressed, I feel let down because God didn't fill in the blank. I'm, I'm mad, God, that you didn't fill in the blank. You know, you didn't show up when I thought you were going to or you didn't answer the way I thought you were going to. You know, like I remember when I was in, uh, it was, I was way too young to do it. I won't say how old I was because the kids are in, in church today. But I remember when I was way too young and I, and I uh, we, we used to have pencil boxes that were on our desk. Y'all, anybody ever have one of those pencil boxes on your desk, you know? You know what I'm talking about? If you don't know what I'm talking about, just picture like a little box that has, come on, y'all, pencils in it, right? That's why it's called a pencil box. Well, I had this brilliant idea. I mean, she was pretty. She sat across from me. She had a pencil box. It was mom, sure. And so, 
So I did what every young boy would do in this moment. I wrote the note. Do you like me? Circle yes or no. And I ripped it off. And I put it in her pencil box when she wasn't looking. And then I ran to the bathroom and I waited. And I came back knowing that it had been long enough that she would have either circled yes or no. So when I came back in, I noticed her pencil box was open. And the paper wasn't there. I was sure it was back in my pencil box. But as I sat down, my teacher said, Excuse me, Ray, can I see you in the hallway for a moment? And I went into the hallway and the teacher handed me the note. She let me know that that was not the right way to tell a young girl that I liked her. She did not give me any clues on how to tell her otherwise. So I spent the rest of my years trying to figure that out until finally I figured it out. But... I remembered in that moment when I walked back in and I saw that the paper wasn't in her box and it wasn't in my box and the teacher said she wanted to see me, I was having buyer's remorse. I was really regretting that I, made, that I wrote that note. I was like, this is not going to go well. And I was itty bitty and I knew it that early. It's been a long time of making bad choices and having to think through, man, these bad choices have repercussions. Well, that's the story of this young man. That's the story of suggesting that we know something better than God does. We have a timing that's more imperative than his. We, we think in some way that we have the knowledge from beginning to end, and we re replace the fact that God is really the omniscient one. If you're trying to say, okay, Ray, well, what, what, am I, what are we going to learn here today through this? Let me try to give you three points that will help it to make sense. This is the first one. The right place to be is where God has placed you. The right place to be is where God has placed you. As we read through this story and we think about this young man, we realize that he is placed in this family with this family dynamic. Matter of fact, the way that Jesus tells the story, it seems like this young man had everything that he would have needed. He had everything he would have needed. But he began to dream about some other places and some other things. He began to rethink about the situations that he was in until finally the fantasy gave way. And he said, Dad, I'm out of here. I'm out of here because I've thought long and hard about what else is out there. And I know what's in here. So I want to go and I want to be out there. Dad doesn't hold him back, maybe, argue, maybe, maybe negotiates with him once or twice. But eventually Dad says, all right, like, go, do your thing. I'm going to be right here. This young man had traded the place where God wanted him to be for a place where he thought there'd be something better. How often do we fantasize about being somewhere else? Anybody? Anybody ever do that? You fantasize about being in a different situation? Or, and when I say fantasize, I don't mean like, you know, like, I'm not talking about some big, you know, you just begin to think, man, what would it be like? What would it be like if instead of living on this side of the river, I lived on that side of the river, right? What would it be like if instead of, I think about this every winter. Every winter, I'm like, what would it be like to live somewhere warm in the winter? Yes? Come on, somebody else? I know y'all do because y'all go away. I see y'all. I, I live vicariously through it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you, we fantasize about those guys. Here, here's evidence of this. There, there's, there's professionals out there that are called headhunters. 
headhunters. You know what they do? They look for people who have a certain skill to match up with a job that's available, and then they try to find people who are dreaming about being in a different job. So they call you, are like, hey, how you doing? Oh, great, yeah, what do you do? Oh, yeah, I know what you do. You ever think about going somewhere else? If you say yes to that, you are on their list, and they are calling you every time there's an available position, and they're trying to land you into it because they pray, and they, and not in a bad way, but they're looking for folks who are thinking about being somewhere else. Because then you're open to the move, right? Some of you are thinking, man, like, I hope I get called by a headhunter, right? Like, you're thinking about your job right now. You're like, ooh, sign me up. Call me. Hurry up. <clears throat> but the reality is that we find ourselves in situations where we're always thinking about this. Maybe, maybe you heard it this way. You ever heard the saying, the grass is greener on the other side? Anybody ever hear that saying? Raise your hand if you ever heard that saying. Come on, I want to see some hands go up. I know y'all heard that saying. All right, I'm going to ask it again. I just said it, so now everybody's going to have to raise their hand. You ever hear the saying, the grass is greener on the other side? Raise your hand if you heard that saying. See that? Now all y'all had to raise your hand. That's good. All right, so there it is, right? So that idea, that picture that, hey, I know this is where, I, where I'm at, and maybe it's where I'm supposed to be, but, but it seems like it could be cool over there instead. That's what's going on here in this story. I want to say this before we go further. There are times, there are times, I love this front row, y'all fun. There are times when God tells you to go. There are times where God says, you know, staying here is not, what's, not what I want for you anymore. But just note, that's not every time. Every time you catch whim of some new idea doesn't mean that God's leading you to go. Right? Right? More often than not, God is saying stay. Right? And you got, you got like a, a rumbly in your tumbly, and that's something bad you ate for dinner, right? And you, you're saying that's God's moving. He ain't moving you. That's, that's, that's indigestion, right? right? Like more often than not, God is saying, no, I got you right where I want you. There is the occasion. There is the occasion where God is saying, I prepared you for something, and I'm ready for you to go. But more often than not, he's saying, stay, stand firm, be put, be where I have you, be present. We heard this yesterday. One of the speakers shared yesterday morning. Uh, Pastor Brad Leach, that was one of the things that he shared. He said that, you know, that, that God is calling us to stand in the gap. But in order to stand in the gap, you've got to be there. You've got to be steady. You've got to be ready for that appointment. God calls us to stand firm. That's not what's happening here. This young man is not standing firm. He's running. He's going. He's saying, I think there's somewhere else that I'm supposed to be. Let me say it to you one more time. The right place to be is the place where God has Placed you. That's both physical place and people to be with, right? God puts you in that family for a reason. You call them mom, you call them dad, you call them brother, you call them sister. That's the family that God, God planted you in for a reason, right? I trust God with that. And so we lean into God. That doesn't mean that there aren't occasions where you say, like, the reason we need to move away from that, that's the exception, not the norm. That's not the every time. All right? God has placed you. The place, the place that is right is the place where God has placed you. Second this morning, our clearest view is hindsight. But in order to get to the hindsight, you have to go through it. In order to see what's on the other side, you got to go through it. I remember when our kids were little, we read this book, and I don't remember the title of it. All I remember is how we would act it out, and you can't, can't go over it, you can't go under it. You've got to go 
through it, right? And, uh, you know, I, I, and, then, and then at some point, at some point in the book, they run backwards all the way back through everything and get back in bed. But, but it, it was a fun story, right? But what a, what a cool truth to remember. Like, in order to get there, I've got to go through this. In order to see reflectively all that God has done, I've got to be down the road to be able to look back and say, man, look at all that God brought me through. Look at all that we, tra- that we, that we were in. Like, God has done something. Well, watch this in the story. Jesus is the one who tells this story, by the way. Jesus is the one who, who, who is sharing this story, and he shares about the son looking back. About the son looking back. He says this, verse, uh, verse 13, he loses, he, he spent everything he had, it's gone. Verse 14, he begins to realize how how tough his situation is. And it's out of his control. It says that a famine came over the land. He didn't bring a job. He got that J-O-B. He, he, he displayed his dad's work, work ethic. Let me just put a sidebar down here for everybody. We can celebrate his work ethic, but I want you to see the outcome. See, some of us believe in this fairy tale that we should be able to just all be able to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. Here's your Bible verse. Go look at it clearly communicates that he could not pull himself up by his bootstraps. He was doing all he could. He got his job and he was trying to work it. But at the end of the day, you know what happened? It wasn't enough. His bootstraps weren't tall enough. His arms weren't big enough. He couldn't stand up straight enough. Whatever the reason was, it was out of his ability to overcome this. It couldn't be, we'll just plow harder. Some of us have bought this idea that when we're in need, it's simply because we're not doing our part. And I want to say this. He got to this situation because he made a bad choice, but he tried to do his part on his own after that, only to realize, I can't get out of this on my own. I can't get out of this on my own. We need to recognize that that is true, and that is a true situation that people find themselves in. And we can begin to think about as a church, how do we come alongside of folks to help them in those moments? Let me come back to the text. So verse 14, uh, 13, everything's gone. Verse 14, it's out of his control. Verse 15, he goes and gets a job, but he still can't get it done. Verse 16, he begins to long to be healthy again. And then verse 17, we introduce the humor of God. If you have your Bibles, look at uh, Luke 15, verse 17. I want you to see these verses. David, if you can bring them up on the screen, that'd be helpful. Luke 15, 17, this is what it says. That's... 1515, looking for 1517. There it is. What do those first first words there say? Jesus says, he says, when he came to his senses. This is Jesus talking. And he says, when the light bulb went off for the boy, when he realized he couldn't do it, right? He didn't say when he exhausted himself, when he laid, Jesus said, when the dude woke up and was like, this was a bad idea, right? Like, boom, it hit him, like, bad choice. And you, I can just imagine Jesus telling the story, and he's, he's, he's speaking to a bunch of people who are like, I don't know, what do I think? And Jesus is like, when the light bulb goes off, and everybody's like, ding, ding, ding. You just see like. Like if this was a cartoon, you just see all the light bulbs popping off in front of people like, I get it now, I get it, I get it. So when the light bulb goes off, the boy realizes. And he begins to say these questions. How many of my father's hired servants are in a better situation than me? And then he says this, he says, 
Here I am, I'm starving to death. Well, the ironicness of this is that the boy left because he wanted to go and live, right? He was like, Dad, you're binding me up here. You're too controlling. You don't give me all the freedoms I want. I want to go out there and I want to live. So we went out there to live and actually realized I'm actually, come on, thank you, Sue, somebody. I'm actually dying. I left here to go live and I landed out here and now I'm dying. The revelation was there. I'm dying. But he couldn't see that until he went through it. He couldn't see it. And it didn't matter how much mom and dad tried to tell him, he couldn't see it. Until finally he went. And he looks back and he's like, wow, that was boneheaded. That was the wrong choice. I laugh about this when I think about it because it reminds me of the movie Notting Hill. I want to set this, set this uh, clip up for you and now I want to invite you to watch it with me. Uh, let's make sure we have the volume ready for that. So in this clip for the movie Notting Hill, um, anybody familiar with the movie Notting Hill? Come on, just me and Pastor Charlie, we the only ones who watch it? Come on. Y'all better, y'all better Google this and rent it, all right? So here you go, here you go. Let me set it up for you. This is a girl named Anna. She's played by Julia Roberts. There's this guy named uh, Will. Uh, they call him Thatcher. And, uh, and, and he's played by uh, Hugh Grant, Hugh Grant, right? And they're at a family dinner. They've just met. They're, they they kind of like each other. They, that, that's the whole point of the movie. They, they met and they kind of like each other. They're at a family dinner they get invited to. And, um, and they're at the moment where it's time for dessert, and this is, this is kind of a fun way to do it, right? Like there's, uh, I think there's, there's five of them at the table, but there's six brownies. Everybody gets one, but somebody gets, somebody gets two. How do you figure it out? You could rock, paper, scissors, right? You could, you could give it to the one with the green socks. Like you could figure it out in some kind of cool way. Here's how they figured it out. Here's how they figured it out. Each person got to tell a story about why they deserved the final brownie. And whoever had the most compelling story gets the brownie. Sounds like a win. We're skipping the first four people who tell their story. We're going to get to just, we're only going to hear Anna's version of why she should get the brownie. But let me help you understand who she is. She's an actress, professional actress in the movie. She plays a professional actress. And so she's sitting with a bunch of what we'll call common folk. And she's trying to explain to them why the professional actress should get the final brownie.
if you didn't, if you didn't catch all that, if you haven't seen it before, maybe you wouldn't catch all of it. But the point of the story is that she was, she was trying to convince, she was trying to sell this idea that her life was so bad. And her reason is where she said, I've had to diet my whole life in order to have this figure. And I had to have surgeries to look as pretty as I do. And, 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 and I won't be famous forever. And oh, woe is me. And if you knew the rest of the background story of the people she's talking to who have had really hard times in life, you would see the irony in this moment. But like Anna, many times I think we get stuck in a spot saying, woe is me. We look at our situation just for a moment. And we're like, man, this is horrible. Just the other day, I, 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 let, somebody who, who, I let somebody borrow my, my van and, and, and they locked my keys in the van. They were my only keys to the van. And I remember for about 10 seconds, I was like, woe is me. I got to call AAA and I got to come open up my van door. And then I thought, I have AAA. And I have a van. Right? And the reason the keys got locked in is because I was helping somebody. Like, life is not that bad. And I had to get past that moment. Well, the, the, the young son didn't get past the moment, right? He was like, man, my life is horrible. I'm out of here. And then he goes out and he realizes, man, it's even worse out here. I want to be back there. And it's not until he realizes I want to be back there that it dawns on him that his life wasn't so bad. And some of us need the reminder today, life is not that bad. Woe is me. You can actually come through this. And I hope that that makes a, a little sense to you and where you're at now. God is walking you through something. And as he walks you through it, there will be hindsight that you can look back and be able to say, man, that makes a lot more sense now. I didn't see it while I was in it. I didn't fully understand. I just stayed obedient to it. But I get it now. I get where we're going. The story wraps up with the young brother realizing I need to go home. And this is where the moment gets tough for all of us. If you've ever had a moment that you've realized, man, I'm in something and I'm in way too deep, that's the moment where this boy is at. So if you haven't leaned in yet, lean in now because this is the application for all of us. The third point this morning, the return home may be laborious, but the reward is bountiful. The return home may be difficult, it may be heavy, it may be painful. But the reward at the end is plentiful. It's bountiful. It's overwhelmingly right. Think about this. The son, was, he was feeding the pigs. Watch this. He left his dad's home where he had everything he ever needed. And he went and lived on a land where he needed nothing. And then he ran out because of his own choices and circumstances beyond his choice. And now he's got nothing, and he gets a job feeding the pigs. And while he's feeding the pigs, he looks at what they're eating, and he says, I wish I could just get on my hands and knees and eat with them. And then it dawns on him, dad's house was not this bad. Dad's house was not this bad. I should go home. Now, I imagine this is a couple of weeks here. A couple of weeks where he's thinking I should go home. And you know what he thinks during those couple of weeks where he's thinking I should go home? What's dad going to say? What are people going to whisper about me? What are people going to think? You know, like, 
I'm coming back. I'm going to live in dad's basement. Like, what are they going to think about me? Maybe dad wouldn't even let me back in. I don't know. Those things start to rattle through his brain. Finally, he makes a choice. He says, all right, I'm going to go. I'm going to go home. And he starts walking home. And all the way walking home, imagine you lived on the other side of the state, all the way driving home. You're beginning to ask yourself, you're playing through the scenario. I'm going to say this to dad. He's going to say this. I'm going to say this. He's going to say this. It's not going to go good. You're thinking about turning around. It's not going to go good. But you keep pressing on. The walk home is heavy. But we see the father's response. So join me in verse 21. Excuse me. Join, join me in... Uh, uh, in verse 19, 18, he says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired servants. So he gets up and he goes to his father. But while he's a long way off, his father sees him coming and, and offers him compassion, hugs him, kisses him, throws his arms around him. Then he says this in 21. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. This is the heart of someone who realized they got it wrong. He doesn't just come home with that same sense of entitlement. Give me what's mine again, dad. Give me my brother's share, dad. Put me back in the royal room. None of that. He comes home and he says, dad, I blew it. I've realized the light bulb went off, Dad. This wasn't so bad here. Can I ask you? Can I ask you? Has the light bulb gone off yet? Have you realized that the situation that God has you in, even if it's a tough moment in that situation, that the right place to be is right where God has you? Have you said yes to being present in the place that God has you in while you're waiting to understand why he has you in it? Do you trust God in that space? Are you beginning to look back through the rear view and say, ah, oh, God, I'm, I'm understanding how those dots are connecting now? Are you in a place where you need to walk home? And on your way back, you need to play through in your mind, how is this going to go? What am I going to say? But when I get to the door, am I in a place that I am repentant of where I've been? I know everybody's path hasn't always been straight, and I can tell you that mine hasn't either. But I can tell you this. I serve a God who is a God who restores. The wayward choices you made, the moments where you got off, got off the path, they don't disqualify you from the plan of God. They don't remove you from, from God's best for you. He still desires to call you back and invite you back in. He still desires for the repentant heart to come running back saying, Dad, I blew it. So how do we get there? Very quickly, for some of us, we need to confess there's choices we've made. We just need to confess them to God. God, I made choices that aren't of you. For some of us, there's, there's things we're battling. There's kids sit up in the front. For some of us, there's sit up, please. For some of us, there's things we're battling. There's addictions and behaviors that we're just, we're, we're not honoring God with. 
and we need to say to God, God, I want to lay this down. For some of us, we're trying, to over, we're trying to micromanage or overmanage the plan that God has for us. Instead of saying, God, eventually I'll be able to look in the rear view and understand it. And from now till then, I'm going to just walk in it. So we need to lay down our desire to control. And for some of you today, you need to believe the identity that God has given you. You need to believe who you are. You need to believe and understand that God has made you to be his son or his daughter with a plan and with a purpose that's right. And so as you lean into that, as you trust God in that space, you'll begin to understand more clearly what God has had you walking through. But let me charge every one of us with this final thought. If you're running, if you're still running right now, even if there's a battle within you trying to not hear this message this morning, you're running away from a place of royalty. You're running away from the right hand of God. You're running away from being the discerned son and daughter of a king. And you're trading that for a short-lived and often confused second best. So I invite you, as we hear this story for the next two more weeks, I invite you, recognize that the Father is waiting. And recognize that your wayward choice, being the child, can end in a place that brings restoration with you to the right place of God. I'm going to pray for us before the band comes up. That, sorry, I'm going to pray for us. And we're going to have a moment for ministry. We're going to hear from two of our very own staff people. Just going to take three or four minutes and just tell us a little bit about what they do with us. As we celebrate um, our month of celebrating those in ministry here at the church, we want to help you to get to know some of the folks who are in ministry with us. And so we're going to get to hear from Mel and Chandler in just a moment here. Um, they can start making their way up while I pray. And, uh, and then I also just want to say on behalf of all the ministry team, thank you to a church that, that just appreciates us so greatly. And uh, to the folks who are on our team, thank you. Thank you for the ways you faithfully, faithfully and, yeah, the way you constantly serve. So let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for, God, you're, you're awakening something in us through this story. Father, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm the actor, the actress who just, uh, my life is good. And yet I, I want to concentrate on the fact that I can't have brownies. And I want to I lament that for some reason, right? Like, God, how silly is that? You've given us so much. You've done so right for us. Let me not get caught in a moment, caught up in a moment that is insignificant to make it, act, act, make it out as if it's huge. God, keep my eyes focused. Keep our eyes focused on the great ways that you've blessed us and you've led our lives. The greatest, the gift of your son that you gave us, that we could have life with you, that we could even have this conversation, God. The gift of being a part of a church where we have a body of believers around us who honor you, they know you, they love you, they long to be with you and with one another. God, what a gift. What a gift. So my team might lose today. Or they may, you may have lost on Thursday night. So, but God, it's, it's insignificant. God, what's really significant 
He said, you've called my name? You've called me yours? You've given me all that I need to invite other people to know that same experience? And you've charged us to live this life fully. Free. Free to honor you. Free to live in a way that daddy would say, I'm so proud of you. And free to confess to you when I haven't. So God, today, may we all be the prodigal. This week's message. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. We pray it was life-giving. To find out more about us, visit our website at roxboroughchurch.org and join us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m.